So we're in Perik Yudalef Igeres HaTshuva. It comes out on page 198. Last week, Valtani discussed that in today's day, we have a very difficult time switching from beating up on ourselves and going to the required joy, which is a prerequisite for davening. So he said, therefore, we need to get into a different habit, and that habit should be that we should beat up on ourselves by Tikkun Chatzais, even if you can't do it every night, but do it once a week, Thursday nights. And then davening should be dedicated only to joy. We discussed at the uh, end of the Shia last week that uh, Valtani discusses that it has to be at designated times. Beating up on oneself should never be coming to a person during davening or during the, any other mitzvah fulfillment. Only if a person sets aside a time for self-discipline, uh, whatever you want to call it, that's the time for it. Now he's going to take, actually, a little bit of an about-face on that issue. It is really possible that a person can have the required humility which is involved in tshuva tatar. So he discussed earlier that there are two types of tshuva. One is a what he calls a lower form of tshuva and the other one is a higher form of tshuva. The higher form of tshuva is cleaving Takadish Baruch Hu in Tefillah. That's the highest form of tshuva, in Torah and Tefillah, Tefillah especially. And that involves only sheer joy. Tshuva Tata, the lower form of tshuva, involves a person pleading with Hashem to forgive him. So, usually we assume that due to the fact that we're doing confessing and we're asking for forgiveness, that it's impossible to have joy. So here he says, not true. Because I've already taught you in the first um, book of this Sefer, of Sefer Tanya, like the Zayar's languages, it's entirely possible that a person can have tremendous joy embedded in his heart from one vantage point. There could be weeping at the same time. They're not a contradiction at all. How? He explains gorgeous. Because if a person combines with his pleading for forgiveness, he combines that with faith and trust. That his heart should be secure with Hashem. That what? who desires kindness. And that Hashem is merciful and compassionate and abundant amount of forgiveness. Therefore, take it from immediately. The moment any one of us asks Hashem for forgiveness, HaKadosh Baruch Hu forgives us without any semblance of doubt at all. Not a doubt and not a doubt of a doubt. He says, I'll prove it to you halachically that Hashem forgives us every time we ask for forgiveness. How do you know? Like we say in every single Shmonasri. Take it. 
immediately. Shemivakshim slach lono. So when we begin the brach in Shmon Eser of slach lono kichatano, how do we conclude that brach? We conclude it, Baruch Ato Hashem, you are the source of blessing Hashem, Chanan, who is merciful, Hamar Belisleach, who, who abundantly forgives. So right then and there, we make a statement with Hashem's name, saying we're making a statement that Hashem forgives us. Now, and we know, the premise is, we know that if a person ever has a question in the laws of brachas, the halach is that one is lenient, meaning if you ever have a question, did I say the bracha, did I not say the bracha, the halach is you don't say the bracha. Lest it be a bracha said in vain. Therefore, Ella, we're forced to acknowledge, Ein kan shum klal, there is no doubt whatsoever, since we said these words, we've made the request, Hashem, please forgive us. Hashem, please overlook our affairs. So, therefore, the moment we say that, we are forgiven. See, he says, so why would it be a contradiction to experience joy? And asking for forgiveness, quite the contrary. We should be overjoyed, we should be thrilled about the fact that Hashem forgives us because we've asked for forgiveness. What's more, right after the period, were it not for the fact that immediately thereafter we go back and make the same stupid mistakes, we would immediately be redeemed. Like we say in the very next bracha, Baruch Ato Hashem Goyal Yisrael. We say, Hashem, you are the one who redeems Kla Yisrael. So, the statement that we're supposed to draw from the juxtaposition of those two brachas is that if we were just to continue with the mechila, with the forgiveness, and not mess up again, Hashem would redeem us. He says, what's more? Not only is this true, vis-a-vis Hashem, but this is true even in the laws of human interaction. A person is obligated to forgive, take umiyad immediately and instantly. When a person asks us for forgiveness, the Allah is we're obligated to forgive them immediately. We're not to play hardball. To forgive. Even if someone, God forbid, chopped off our arm. The person comes over to ask for forgiveness, we must give them forgiveness. Even so far, if a person asks for forgiveness three times and they were not granted forgiveness, the halach is that the person no longer needs to even ask for forgiveness. And there was a tribe called the Givainim Shabikish David Amalak Alabashalam Mahidabad Shal. Here it goes even so far that King David asked for forgiveness, not even for himself, but he asked for forgiveness on behalf of Shaul Amalach, Shahemis Sagivainim, who killed their people, Vilayratsulimchail, and despite his pleading for mercy, David Amalach refused. The, of Dovah the Melech, they refused to forgive them. 
Goza David Aleim Shleyevoyu Bikal Hashem. David decreed upon them that they are not allowed to join the, the Jewish people ever. They cannot convert and join the Jewish people. Why? Shehem Rachmanim. Because Jewish people are merciful. And if you guys can't bring yourselves to forgive, you don't belong among our people. Now, if that's the case with human interaction, that a person is obligated to forgive somebody else as soon as they're asked for forgiveness, if that's the case between humans, that for sure is the case with Hashem in infinitude. So that Hashem for sure forgives us the moment we ask Him for forgiveness, we need to trust and believe that He has forgiven us. And He takes it further. He's not done yet. The fact that we praise and laud Hashem and we say, not just that Hashem forgives, but that He abundantly forgives. That language is very exact. That He's abundantly forgives. What does it mean, abundantly? So he says a staggering thought. And that is, imagine in human interaction, one guy sins against another, does something horrible to him. The guy comes over and asks for forgiveness. You forgive him? And then the guy goes and does it again. We humans find it very difficult to forgive the person a second time. I mean, you animal, you did it to me once, you asked me for forgiveness, I was kind enough to forgive you, you go and do it again to me. You expect me to forgive you a second time? Now, so, how much more so is it more understandable the third and fourth time the guy did it that you're not going to forgive him. However, but when it comes to the forgiveness of Hashem, we must believe ain't half rich. There's no difference between the first time we did something, if we rebelled against him a thousand times, he still forgives us just as willingly and as eagerly as he did the first time. Because Hashem's forgiveness comes from the attribute of compassion. And Hashem's, our, our mercy is limited. But Hashem's mercy is They are without limitation. They, just like Hashem is infinite, His compassion and kindness is infinite. Turn the page to page 200. never runs out. Therefore, he, 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 he's into this in a big way in all of his svarim. When it comes to infinity, What's closer to infinity? A million or one? They're both equally distant. Vis-a-vis 
In contrast to infinity, there's no difference between a thousand and one. Now, Ulechein says, due to the fact that Hashem forgives us, even if we rebelled against Him a thousand times, Ulechein ma'vir Hashemaseinu b'chol shana v'shana. Therefore, we say in the davening on Yom Kippur that the Rebbeinu Shlom wipes away our sins every year. And all the things that we clapped and we confessed last year, even though we went and did the very same things again, we will do it again next year. We're going to ask for forgiveness and we're going to clap and we're going to confess and Hashem is going to forgive us again next year. What's more, even though we say that Hashem wipes away our virus every year, that doesn't mean only once a year. Each and every day, not only each and every day, but three times each and every day, we say the bracha, Baruch Hashem, who is compassionate, who is abundant in His forgiveness, and Chazal tell us that the davening corresponds to the Tomid, to the daily sacrifice. And what do Chazal tell us about the daily sacrifice? The Tomid, the Korban that was brought at night, atoned for the Averis we did at night. And the Tomid of the night time atoned for the Averis of the day. And so too was it true every day. The nighttime sacrifice atoned for the Averis done during the day. The morning Tomid atoned for the Averis done during the night. And the same thing with Shemona Esrei. Well, if that's the case, why do we make a special bracha that Hashem wipes away all the Averis once a year? What's the difference between the once a year of Yom Kippur and the Shemona Esrei of every day? Explained to Baltanya. The distinction is that Yom Kippur has the power to atone even for very serious Averis. So every day the davening has the ability to atone for the smaller infractions. Yom Kippur has the ability to wipe away even the harsher, more serious things. What's more, it says, The Tomid, which is a oil sacrifice, it only atones for a positive mitzvah, whereas the Shemana Esrei is going to atone even for the negative. And so too is it true of davening during our times when we don't have the Tomid sacrifice, Shemon Esrei is in the place of the carbon. Now he asks a Bam Kasha. We know, and Chazal tell us, that somebody who says, Ashuf, I'm going to sin, and then I'll repent. So, you know, it's it's like the guy who takes the fleshiga spoon and puts it into the milchiga pot because he has no other spoon, and then he says, I'll kasher it later. Right? So somebody who says, I'm going to sin, and I'm going to rely on the fact that I'll do tshuva, 
Ein maspik in biyodelas is true. Hashem does not allow him. Well, we'll see in a minute how to translate that. But that is not a tshuva which is easily accepted. Says the Baltanya. So why don't we say that if we are relying on the fact that three times a day we do tshuva, isn't that assisting us in our wrongdoing? And should we not assume, therefore, that the tshuva doesn't work? Says, This is not a classic case of, I will sin and then I will repent. When do we say that it's considered, I will sin and repent for it? That doesn't work. That's only, That really, when the person did the Avera, they easily could have overcome their inclination. He says, why should I bother fighting my evil inclination if I can rely on the fact that I'll do tshuva later? Since the tshuva itself becomes the cause that caused the person to do the avera because he reasoned corruptly that he will do tshuva later for, and that allowed him to do the Aveira, therefore he must speak in Vechulah. But even there, where the person used tshuva as the crutch, Ein must speak in Daika. All it says is that he loses his heavenly assistance that normally would assist him to do tshuva. But if the person pushes forward and he strengthens himself and he overcomes his evil inclination, and he does tshuva with his own energy, not with heavenly assistance, the person's tshuva will be accepted even if the tshuva was the assistance that caused him to do the Avera. Avel. But we who daven every day, and we say the bracha, pleading with Hashem to forgive us, you know what we do? Right before Slach Lano, we say a different bracha. We say Hashiveinu Avinu Lesarosach. We ask Hashem to return us to His Torah. So He says, you know what that request is? We request Hashem, allow our tshuva to hold. Allow it to be such that we don't return to the foolishness. We plead with Hashem that we not sin again. That is, that such a person, we are assisted and assisted again by heaven. Because Chazal tells us that he who comes to Hashem with an interest to purify himself, he receives heavenly assistance. Habodaika, meaning miyad sheba. Immediately, as soon as we come through the door, having in mind to request that Hashem take us back, Hashem takes us back. Vilezois. And since I have proven this to you, the forgiveness is immediate, as soon as we do tshuva. Ah, you're going to ask Akasha, what does it mean when David HaMelech says, 
then my sins are in front of me at all times. Sounding like a person who did Averis is supposed to keep his sins in front of his eyes at all times and consider himself a low life. And that uh, usually does not lead to a whole lot of joy, which is what most people think we're supposed to do. Says about Tanya Chas Rishalem. No way. God never intended that a person should walk around depressed or disgusted with himself, heaven forbid. I'll prove it to you. Immediately after that it says, Inform me, allow me to hear joy and jubilance and all kinds of good things. The reason we, David the Melech pleads there for joy is because the person needs to eventually attain a higher form of tshuva, which is to cleave to Hashem and turn and tzvil, and that can only be done with tremendous joy. So what is v'chatasi negdisamen? In what way are we supposed to keep our averus in front of us at all times? Says in Altanya that what that means is it means to keep it in a distance opposite me. Meneged means at a distance. What's the point? What do you mean keep my averis at a distance? So he says something very practical. The intent, the point of this is Rak that the person not become full of themselves. It's a cause that a person should be humble before all other people. If he has a reminder, between his eyes, that he rebelled against Hashem, then the person will be humble in front of others. Quite the contrary, and now he's going back to exactly what he opened with tonight. With regard to joy, remembering that we sinned will help us be joyous. Why? In order that we will be able to tolerate with joy, all suffering and bad things that happen to a person, whether those things happen through the hand of heaven, or they happen through other people, whether they are said to us, or they are acted out against us. He says in the parentheses, this is very good advice, to save ourselves from anger, any other form of retribution, anger of, of feeling harsh feelings towards other people. Like Chazal tells us, people who are embarrassed by others and they don't respond, they hear their disgrace and they don't answer. Those are people who do out of love, they rejoice with the affliction that they get. Because they see it as an opportunity to atone for their wrongdoings. 
Anybody who's able to overcome their nature, Hashem overlooks all of their sins. So if a person remembers that they have sins that they need to atone for, that becomes a source of joy. Wow, look at this opportunity Hashem just gave me another place where I can atone for my Averis. Somebody just gave me another place of another moment of atonement. And he concludes. Perikid base. Vitam hasimcha biyisure aguf. The reason we should be joyous with physical pain. Lefishi toiva gidoyla viatsuma lenefeshachitas. Because it is an awesomely great favor for the soul of the sinner. Lemarka to cleanse it in this world, and to save the neshama from being cleansed in Gehenim. Parentheses. Especially in our times. That we don't have the energy to fast. We don't have the ability, we don't have the physical strength to fast. All the fasts required of us, as the Arizal writes. Hatsrichais, that would normally be required, meaning that according to the Arizal, there would be a way that a person can fast enough fast days that would allow him to be saved from the pain of Ganem. But we do not have the energy to do so. So therefore, in place of that, Hashem afflicts us with canker sores and other forms of back pain and foot pain and elbow pain. Nachmanides writes in his introduction to his commentary on Eov and Job, even Job's Suffering of seventy years. They have no comparison to one hour's pain in Gehenim. Because the hottest fire on earth is only a sixtieth of the fire of Gehenim. Ella. So if that's the case, he's going to explain now how can it be that stupid little pain in this world is going to make up for that horrible pain which is required to cleanse the nefesh if that's required anyway how is any pain here going to compensate for that pain that's required there he says a staggering thought since this world is a world built on chesed with lightweight suffering in this world, one can make up for horrible pain that would be required in the world to come. And he gives a scientific example to explain this. Commercial Hiloch Vatakas Hatzel Baoritz, Tefach. For instance, he says, the travel of a shadow in this world, of just one hand's breadth, to 
to get one hand's breadth shadow change in this world, the sun all the way up there has to travel 2,000 mil. And it ends up down here being one tefah. Is the yes it all came the ain'kates? We got to understand that even more so, in an infinite way, who benimshal is it in the way of a parable bebchinis hishtal shalasaylames in the chain of the worlds miruma ma'elus adayin mazagashmi from the world, the celestial worlds above to our physical world down down here. As the Zayah tells us about the elevation of all the worlds, the kinds of changes and effects that take place in all the celestial worlds from the smallest act that we do down here. When a person brings one small pigeon, a person brings one pinch of a carbon mincha, the, the effects that it have on high are awesome. Well, the opposite is true as well. The same is true of all physical mitzvahs. The smallest action we do here below has the most magnificent, far-reaching effect in the worlds above. And therefore, the smallest amount of pain and suffering in this world equals huge amounts of atonement. Upstairs. This is what Chazal say on this pasuk, and you shall sanctify your fellow selves, and you will be holy. A person takes a little step here below. He receives a huge amount of bounty of holiness from above. So too, is it with regard to reward and punishment? For a person who understands is easy. And a person who understands this will see how good it is. So, Therefore, he concludes that pondering our existence and our shortcomings should lead us ultimately to simcha, even if it leads us to pain and suffering, because that pain itself will end up being a tremendous favor for the neshama that it will not need to go through the pain and anguish in Olam Habah.